Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Uh, and I thank you all for listening to every episode so far. Whoever's out there listening to this, I really, really do appreciate it. Um, and I hope you're enjoying it, and I hope it gets better. This week, I'm talking with a good friend named Beck Hall. Uh, he's a musician out of Birmingham. He's a bass player and an all-around great guy. I had a fascinating conversation with him. Uh, we get into the weeds a little bit as far as some technical stuff with uh, the gear that he uses and whatnot, but we try to explain it a little bit along the way. So I hope you don't get lost during it, but uh, I really enjoyed it, and I hope you do too. So without dragging this out at all, please enjoy my conversation with Beck Hall. It's a podcast. That's it. Trying to check the sound. Seems to be working. Okay, I think we're going. We're on. On board. Off and going. Beck Hall. Yes, sir. Thank you for coming down. Absolutely. Uh, For people who don't know, Beck is a bass player. Uh, Are you from Birmingham? Where are you from? I am. I'm from Birmingham. Uh, Moved away throughout college, lived in several towns, and uh, ended up back here about two years ago. Okay. And you've been playing... Uh, you played with The Stop, I know, like fairly recently, but mm-hmm. how, did, how did that all kind of... We're going to start playing out again. Uh, we've been playing together for about 13 years, and our drummer has not lived in the same city as us for 10 of the 13. So <laughs> we haven't had a practice in eight years. Yeah. Uh, but we still... Managed to have a good time at our shows, um, but he just moved back to Birmingham. Um, I had just moved back from Appalachian State in 2003 in Boone, North Carolina, and yeah, we all just got together one day and jammed and decided that you know that was the band yeah. we all wanted to play, and so we, we used to tour pretty extensively and stuff. Uh, Joel Kaufman on guitar, Derek Day on drums, both great players, but... Um, it's just nice to have Derek back here yeah. after not having I was laughing at the end of the last show because we had so much fun. So is he living in Birmingham now? He's back here. Okay, yeah. cool. So we're starting, I think we're going to have our first practice in eight years in, uh, like in this coming week. So yeah. it's, I'm more nervous about the practice than I am the performance. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do we do? I'm not oh, used to this. Um, I feel like I can relate almost a little bit to that with, with Josh just now leaving. I, mm-hmm. That was kind of the conversation between me and him before he went out there. Was sure. like, it's not like we're breaking up. It's just oh, no. you're going to live in a different city for a while. It, it's uh, it's like riding a bike too. I yeah, because Derek, we thought we didn't know whether we said we weren't breaking up, but it was that weird feeling. Okay, yeah. what's going on? And we ended up playing. You know, we've played. Those first few years, we played several shows a year. We kept playing because he was just in Atlanta. Uh, then it's gotten down where we play. I mean, we still play three times a year or so. Uh, this last year, I think we went the longest. We, we, we played two shows in about the last year and a half. Um, but there was that feeling of uncertainty. And, but then every time he would come back, we just say, well, these are the tunes we're going to play. And, you know, they were, every once in a while, you got some some small flub or something like yeah. that but it's like riding a bike you really i mean mm-hmm. you play with people long enough comes right back to yeah. you and with josh i mean he's he's not <laughs> somebody yeah. you got to worry about with that <laughs> yeah. stuff 
Well, that's the cool thing with music in general, too, is like, because it is that universal language, you don't even have to have played with the person before to share some kind of weird history in some way through music so that the, the first time you meet could be on stage and you don't have to say a word to one another Absolutely. but if you have certain things in common musically you can still speak the same language and yep. jam without having to have rehearsed anything Absolutely, you know? yeah that is it is an amazing thing and that was always mine and josh's kind of thing with not like the whole rest of the band didn't think that way but me and josh that's just like how we operate yeah. it's like We'll just figure it out on stage. That's how I <laughs> You know, like, what, why waste time practicing that? Yeah. We'll just we'll let's, just do it. We'll just get up there and kill it yeah. as best we can, and sometimes yeah. it won't be that way. Uh, which isn't always the best way to do things. No. You know, it's definitely good to, to practice and, and work hard. Not that we didn't want to work at it. Uh, we would just work on other things. And sure. Then, and that always, you know, help, helps. That's something I, I firmly believe in is, I mean, I main reason the stop is able to do that is because we all have other bands we all i mean are big practice practicers on our own yeah and so it's not like um i have to worry about one of them not being up on their chops or anything like that right so and i, I just firmly believe the more that people play with other people when they bring it back to home base um it, it just goes better you get you yeah. get ideas it's a little fresher um and you learn a lot, yeah. you know, with dealing with different types of musicians. Some, every once in a while you'll run into a musician or a, a group and it, right, you know, if, if one of the members of the band wants to start a side project, it, it can freak people out. They think, you know, they're yeah. worried they're going to overbook or, or uh, choose that band over their band at some point or something. But it's not, it's not yeah. like that. I think it's a really healthy thing for as many people in the band to have a side band. I think a lot of the times you have to I yeah. mean, unless your goal is to just you know basically make it or bust as far as yeah. like you know move to la i mean you gotta be putting your energy York, somewhere you know, if you're not gonna a hundred percent justin bieber it basically you, you're gonna have to have mold and even then i mean they have multiple income streams sure. i mean you can't Absolutely. uh you can't just expect to play a few gigs and get enough money to to ride on for a while i mean it's a combination of playing with other bands mm -hmm. and doing your own thing writing music yeah every, uh, everybody in the band should have you know it's good for everybody to have different contacts yeah. all this always I think comes it makes you better circle. too yeah I mean, it, it absolutely like, does. i think one of the guys from uh cbdb i want to say the drummer he works with like like in the pit with an orchestra oh that's awesome. doing like drums and stuff like wow. as soon as i heard that it was like that's that's really cool i have like 10 times but not that i didn't respect them before but <laughs> you no, know you hear very, something I like that and it's that. like all right so you're a real musician because uh, yeah. you're not just a good drummer in a jam band you actually like mm -hmm. use your your talent in a lot of exactly i hate the word talent though i don't and think I, talent's I, I a real thing i hate the word thing. jam band these days too I but know. it's like what else but like it ruins I, i've it. embraced it it's like what i mean yeah Am I going to explain to this if, person? We're an yeah. improvisational funk band <laughs> that uh, you know. I mean, we're we're uh, funk jam band. That's what, but at the same, the thing about jam bands, you know, you get the stigma attached. And yep. I think it, yeah, it's almost it, like you say jam band, and people think, oh, like Fish and Grateful Dead. Yeah, yeah that, and then not that those two should attack, even be associated. Yeah, it, it, but you immediately have a stigma, and it's so. I think it's important to fight that stigma in a way that 
similar to what we were just talking about. I mean, I, I, I play very aggressively on the bass with jam bands. Yeah. Uh, that's the place I'm allowed to do that. Like, people don't, people in the bands I'm in, um, in the Dagobah system, in uh, the stop, when I was in Looney Mill for years, um, they, they, they like it, you know, as long as you're not stepping on somebody's toes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, I think it's really important. I've always had a side group, I, um, high fidelity. We, we've been around almost as long as the stop. It's got ever-changing members, but I always get the jazzier cats and uh, the, Mark Kimbrels and, and, and Matt Slocum and, and people like this that were kind enough when I was 21 to, you know, play much simpler music where I I had to just hold yeah. it down in, in a, in a more old school fashion and not a jam band fashion and it yeah that definitely seems to be up. that's kind of how i think of you as a bass player like i hope this isn't you know no offense obviously Dude, but I'm, I'm i already. i definitely yeah. <laughs> i think of you more as a, uh you're not just like an in the pocket bass player you know which is I, I guess sometimes that could be a bad thing, but I appreciate uh, kind of like how Josh was on drums. You know, that's why I thought it was cool that you guys formed the Dagobah system because <laughs> Josh is not an in-the-pocket drummer. He uh-huh. doesn't try to just keep it simple and be the backbone and that's it. Like, uh, And sometimes you need a drummer that's like that and sometimes you need a bass player that's like that, yeah. but there's a lot of personality in what you play and uh, I like the variety. Uh, oh, I'm looking you. at your pedal board here. I know that's one thing that we were going to kind of go over is uh, I see some <laughs> delays, a tuner, some loops and stuff. But uh, you were telling me a story of this one thing. Um, get What did you say you were? You're like sponsored for it now or something like um, that? I'm a feature artist for Panda Audio. Um, has made a pedal future it's called the future impact one future impact mm-hmm. the it's the predecessor to a bass synthesizer pedal that akai had made in the 90s and they thought it was a bust so they stopped making it and then it became one of the most sought after pedals <laughs> yeah. of all time you know they're like a thousand dollars on ebay damn it finally 20 years later um panda audio was able to buy the chips from them to emulate some of the sounds but he also rethought like a lot a lot of it um you're able to it has a desktop editor for your patches so you have it's it's a a synthesizer pedal but you can have up to 99 different sounds each one of those sounds has 100 parameters and um it's very intense you can add effects within it so it choruses and stuff as well um but i guess what we're getting to was that when I placed my pre-order for the future impact, because they're only making, um, they're making them, it takes them a while. They're doing uh, batches at a time. Um, when I put my pre-order in and they accepted it, um, I sent them a video of just a demo of me playing the deep impact that I had recorded for myself. Yeah. And I was just, ex- I just attached it to the email and was like, I'm so excited. Here's me. So playing you just emailed them a video. You did. Yeah. Uh, just cool. was, yeah. let them know. Cause they were like, you know, we've, we've accepted your, your pre-order. It'll be mailed out. And I just attached the video of the deep impact and was like, I'm, I'm very excited. You know, I play the deep impact all the time. Here's a video from the other day. And, um, some time went by and when they let me know mine was mailed out, um, he also had written a personal email on there and, um, the only other featured artist is Bootsy Collins, which huh. is, it's not that other people 
I, it just happened to be that way. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how the hell that happened. But so he has signed it, uh, and, and the guy who made it, um, his is he signed it and numbered it, and uh, he mailed it to me, and then he mailed me the money back, and was just like, you know, you're a featured artist. Just do, if you can do some demos for the website, that'd be great. And that's it's, uh, great. It's been a lot of fun. What was the name of the company? Panda? Panda Audio, or you can also look them up as Panda MIDI. They sort of have two sides of their company. Um, but Panda Audio, yeah. Um, and what is it? Is it? It's a, it's a bass synthesizer pedal. Okay, so it's a synthesizer, yeah. It's, it's, it's super complex. Like, when, yeah. when I got it, I was... Get, it had, you have to use the computer uh, no, you to don't. control it? You don't. Um, it comes with some great presets. You can control 13 of the most important parameters. Okay, so yeah. Resonance and volume of the synth and all this uh, on the pedal. Then when you plug it into the computer and pull up the desktop editor, there's a... There's four oscillators and and you know envelope followers and all this. To where, when I'm on the computer, I mean it, it literally takes me about an hour and a half to make a <laughs> patch. Yeah. But they're the best sounding patches I've heard. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, bass synth. Yeah, you were playing that one. Uh, it should be set up now if you want to uh, yeah, demo it real quick. I think it sounded. What Herbie Hancock song is that? Oh, the Chameleon. Chameleon. That's a yeah, yeah. because that one's funny. It, it's, and it, you said you made that one. Yep, made that one. Sounds exactly, <laughs> exactly it's, like it. That's one of those those bass lines that it's like if you play any kind of funk, jazz, anything, jam, anything, you know the chameleon bass. Yeah. Line, but that synth sound is always. It's kind of hard to do it. Yeah. Keyboards doing it. Yeah. And um, so let me see if I can. sounds like that uh boogie on reggae woman's another one that yeah. was real hard to do um i got a patch over here that's similar to that one let's see if I can pull it up actually i've changed this one a little bit so maybe this isn't the best but you can hear at least hear some of these sounds um, yeah a big problem with bass synths is they don't like to track very well. Um, you have to have a really sharp sound. It can't be too long. You usually use, right. you need to use your palm to mute the string. Has to be when you say track well, you mean recording? Uh, I mean, um, like if I'm playing something fast, it usually will, a lot of synths will sort of freak out. They won't know how to handle that many notes. Or, oh, right. Um, sometimes you'll hit a note. Uh, I think I hit at least one just a minute ago um, where it didn't pick it up correctly oh, okay. and read it and turn it into a synthesizer a run yeah. synthesizer but on this one i found that i can play pretty darn fast and, it, and it'll you know pick up each note yeah uh it depends on the setting and how long your synthesizer is supposed to last yeah guess, but that's one thing i'm really excited about with this new godin guitar oh, i haven't uh, seen it yet either uh it's got the uh it's got like an acoustic piezo pickup in it so you have nice. and an alternate output actually for it so you can run like an acoustic amp 
and an electric amp separately using the magnetic pickups. Uh, but it's also got what they call a hex pickup so that you can use it with any of Roland's uh, guitar synthesizer oh, stuff. Oh, yeah? That's cool. Uh, That's really cool. And apparently it's like a pickup per string so that you can... Not only can you do, you know, like what you just said, like you can model all the different effects and sounds that you sure. want, but apparently you can even, uh, like you can use Roland's guitar, I think it's like a GR55 mm-hmm. pedal, uh, and you can control the tuning of each individual string it's so that while you're in standard tuning, you just click a button and you can be in drop C open tuning yeah. or, Dad, you Dad, know, Dad, yeah, Dad. any tuning you want. And you can do custom ones to where one string is like a half step off from where it would normally be and save that. And Mid-ies. you can rock back and forth on this. Uh, you can use uh, all three at the same time, first oh, wow. of all. So you can be playing an actual electric guitar straight into an amp while simultaneously running through the synthesizer into the PA rig. Uh-huh. And if you want to use, you know, like a Hammond B3 organ sound, oh, yeah. you, using the pedal as a controller, you can actually switch back and forth and, That's you know, really play the like, on the guitar and then just move the pedal forward and on the organ, you know. That's cool. That's very cool. Oh, man, I haven't gotten that. I wish I could demo it, but I don't have the... It's a fairly expensive pedal because it's yeah. you know, it's kind of complex, but uh, it's John McLaughlin whole, uses that technology. No and he's, he he hadn't played through amps in like twenty years. Yeah, he, and and a lot of the the old Tom greats like you think. I mean, he's not that that old compared to some people, I guess. But he's been around forever. Oh yeah, I mean, he's got to be in his seventies now, right? Yeah, he's in his sixties for sure. Yeah. Maybe maybe even his seventies. And another example is like Herbie Hancock, who, who's one of my favorites of all time. And, oh yeah. Um, he has had a Mac on stage running software instruments huh. uh, since like 2004 or five. Wow, yeah. And, and you don't really think Doesn't about it. Doesn't uh, Daniel Rain from Little Rain Band do that? Um, I think he runs some software patches. He, I know they're, um, I've been talking with Davis a lot and Isaiah, on really all, all the group. I love Little Rain Band, all, all yeah. nice guys. But they definitely are using laptops for... Um, different things and I, I'm not sure if he's running MIDI into that or not and I'm not sure if the people who hear this know what MIDI is yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> while we're on the subject I just um, so basically the way I usually explain it to people is when you hear a song off of the original Nintendo that's MIDI it's got right. those like hokey sounding tones Right. It's but, not an actual piano or a keyboard it's, it's, playing it. It's uh, a computer-generated note, basically. Yeah. But you can make it sound like anything. Uh, now, that was prehistoric MIDI. Um, but what you've been talking about with the Godin and what, I'm, what this pedal does is something that's very new technology that would actually work, um, is converting live, uh, or in a live setting, converting noise from a string into yeah. a MIDI note to make it sound like whatever you want. Yeah, and that's what I didn't even know was possible until I saw this guy. I bought that guitar purely based on the pickup combination because it's got two humbuckers with a single coil in the middle. Yeah. So you can get the Gibson and Fender sounds. Uh, but then when I saw it has the MIDI stuff, it, it, that's I, a, I was like, I didn't even know you could do that with a guitar. It's, it, I mean, they've had it for a long time where you can install these pickups and a lot of times yeah. like people, you know, I, I never <laughs> wanted to do that. Uh, because you have to drill a hole in your in your instrument, and I am not against people doing that at all. But for me, I just was like, you know, it wasn't worth it to me. Also, back then, had a big 
piece of hardware attached to your instrument. Yeah. Um, then they started coming out with uh, mid audio converters. It was like a box that you plugged into. They just didn't work very well. Mm-hmm. But at the last two years or so, at the NAM show, the big guitar show and effects pedal like music show out in in Vegas every year, the last two years they've unveiled a lot of new technologies and like working technologies. You know, so you can make your guitar sound like a flute uh, realistically very easily. Yeah. And um, and it doesn't even have to cost that much money, but yeah. it was just a long time where it just didn't seem to work very well transferring, mm-hmm. you know, audio to MIDI without any latency. Yeah. So that's something that's it's gonna change. You know, <laughs> it's got totally opens the door. Cause I mean, now as a guitar player, you know, you can get. I already knew you could get like a loop station, and you know, you could play your own chord progression or whatever. And if you have like an acoustic electric. Uh, like uh, Robbie Eichmann was on the podcast last mm-hmm. week. Uh, he does some really cool, like he'll like use his acoustic lester- the acoustic guitar mm-hmm. as like a drum, you know, and like yeah. beat on it, and but then loop that, and so he'll create his own like drum sounds and stuff. But now with electric guitar with synthesizers, you can just actually play the drum sounds you can and use play a snare drum, yeah, as one of your strings, or yeah. cymbal, or it's, you have it's... a whole kit and just and then with the touch of a button. After looping the the drum beat that you want, you go right back to you know lay your bass line down, and then just flick the switch again. You're playing guitar, and then you can just sing and start playing. You know, and this lovely little tiny pedal here on the front of of my board, uh, I don't have it hooked up right now because I unhooked it to bring it over here. But it's two. It's a MIDI controller, and so oh, I use okay. Ableton Live. Uh, I started using that. Um, it's a it's a great digital audio workstation uh good for recording and writing yeah i've never used it but i've heard a lot of good things about it i might need to start using something like that instead Uh, of logic because of what i told you about the uh the the time constraints on this i have to do like hour and a half chunks at a time if it goes over that sure um no i I definitely i mean I, i love logic but it's much easier for me to open up Ableton and, and, and make a beat or, you know, I'll cut up like a Jojo Mayer, like really good sounding drum beat and, and write a, a groove over it or something like that. But since I have this MIDI controller, this MIDI controller, one of them goes to one of my pedals. Uh, one of the channels goes to a pedal. The other channel goes to my computer so yeah. I can uh, tell it to change beats or scenes or anything I want. And um, that's been really cool. That the that just became where it was affordable, you know, to have a piece of equipment that could do that. Uh, So as a bass player, you grow up feeling like uh, the left out kid. I mean, you're, as guitar (laughs) players progress, you you know, you you can sit out back and play acoustic tunes and play, you know, sit, sit around on the couch and play acoustic tunes, but with bass, not that you can't sit around and play by yourself. I mean, I do it all the time, but it's not quite yeah. the same, you know. It's not as melodic an instrument. Yeah. Uh, for a lot, for a lot of people, but um, so I used Ableton as a tool to make grooves and make uh, sort of play along tracks and stuff. And then it became from there. I, le- I learned a lot about it. And actually, right. now I use it as my main. Uh, if I'm doing a solo show with just a bass, I'll use that program as well. Or if I'm recording, yeah, a lot of times I use it as well. So how do you how do you do a, a solo show? Just as a bass player. Well, um, 
I typically have, well, I don't know if I've seen you do that. I've only done it in Birmingham uh, one time, um, and th that wasn't even very recently. Um, I, I used to do it in Atlanta a lot. I did, when I moved to Atlanta in 2006, um, I had some great friends, but I didn't have any music, musical friends up there. Yeah. And so move, I just had delved into Ableton. Sorry, move it. Hi, girl. Just had gotten into Ableton and learned how to produce, like, was learning how to produce. Um, electronic music was the easiest go-to for me. I really, it's a funny thing because I don't listen to tons of electronic music. Uh, there's plenty that I enjoy, uh, but when I do a solo show, it's not usually what I'm listening to in the car. Right. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. So I'll have sections that are sort of um, pre-made pre or, I mean, I also have a keyboard, a MIDI keyboard. I have my um effect my whole pedal board is hooked up to my computer so i can use the looper on the program to to loop my stuff um and then play synth if i want but i typically have sections written out ahead of time and there's different variables that i can control over that while i play uh but it's typically like pretty fast uh drum and bass style but not um, I try. I go for a less electronic sound. Like I don't like electronic right. kits. I usually use uh, like um, like I mentioned JoJo Mayer. He's one of my favorite drummers. Um, he's the drummer that invented drum and bass, and he still plays. And he has a three-piece band. Oh, okay. It's just a bass player, a keys player, and him. Yeah. And it sounds better than huh. most electronic music. So I, I use real samples, and then. Um, have melodies written but there's a lot of different ways they can go about it it depends on the the crowd if they if they want like a like in atlanta i was doing nightclubs and mm -hmm. so they wanted sort of like more house music and and you know disco-y like dance stuff not the drum and bass right and uh, it depends on so it depends on that very much but um yeah everything's pre-done i use this just like if i if i'm done with the section I can hit that pedal and it'll know I'll program ahead of time where it'll trigger the next section huh, yeah. um, or cut out everything or cut the drums out just yeah. as a bass break. Um, but you can program it however you want. And then um, there's enough, enough that you can uh, program with your keyboards, with your MIDI controllers, with your you know MIDI pedal that I have that I really can have different sounding shows every time it doesn't yeah. just sound like these samples i've made and then i change the scene but you, you can change the filters mm. or drop the drums out and come right back in so it re you really can improv what is that that pog uh the pogs. big red pog i feel like i've seen that before on uh i know john mayer used it to make his guitar sound like an organ on uh yeah exactly. one of his songs and but it's um polyphonic octave generator so it's an octave it's a fancy octave pedal okay um but you have control over your dry signal you also have two octaves down from that um a control for that as loud as you want quiet as you want on bass that's pretty low so yeah. keep it at zero uh but then you have you know one octave down one octave up and two octaves up and <laughs> phone call for you. Sorry about that, people. No, but by all means, go ahead and take it. Oh, I don't need. To, <laughs> I don't need to take this call. I promise. 
So, but you can also control um, the attack. So you can have it more, do more of swells oh, for the higher okay, stuff. Yeah. So I can, I can show you because I have, I have an organ sound built in here. Uh, I'll move this again for you. I got a. Oops, did I make that? Oh. Technical. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> considering I didn't plug the bass up. Ah, uh, the bass is not plugged in. It's, I mean, it has nothing to do with the... Uh, classic. The, cl the classic, uh, you know, joint passing did not affect it, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, I thought I've been playing this whole time. Are you talking? <laughs> All right. So this is sort of a clean octave sound I have. It's just... You got a lot of dry signal, it's got a little bit of an uh, octave below it, and a little bit of octave above it, but... It's in a lot of funk songs, it's got a just to add some color. It's just got huh. classic, sort of classic effect, yeah. and with this you can have, it has uh, eight presets. Deep, um, or you can go like organ. Is it like, so I guess that's just like multiple octaves at once. That is what um, makes it sound like that. Basically, no. I have none of my clean signal coming through. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe actually, I might have a little, a little bit. But I have none of the octaves below that coming through, and then I have the octave above the root note. Um, and the octave above that come hmm. through a lot. Yeah. And then I have the attack set where it swells in slightly so it sounds a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. I don't think I've ever used that live. Yeah. At, at Davis Little's uh, expansion project, our buddy Adrian plays bass and he found that uh, he found that setting yeah. and lo he loved it. He was basically playing with it for like the whole night. Yeah. And I thought it was great because it just sounded like an, an organ playing bass lines. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's... I use that. Um, I mainly use that dry one, that first one, with a. A lot of times I'll use it with an envelope filter or something. But they, there's some great pedals. Electro Harmonics has been going a little nuts. They they have, they release more oh, pedals. Oh, does Electro Harmonics make the pug? They do. Oh, okay. Um, they've been making so many pedals though these days. I can't even, and I try to keep track, and I can't. Like, they're always <laughs> yeah. like, you know, this month we have 17 new, whatever. I'm just like, Jesus, guys. I mean, that's great. I can't get around to playing them all. Um, guitar Center doesn't keep but eight in stock. Yeah. So. Yeah, Guitar Center's becoming uh, a frequent that place less and less. Yes. Uh, I, I uh, definitely wish there was more local places. Yeah. Bailey Brothers is pretty good. It is. I prefer Bailey Brothers when I can go there. I have a lot of good friends that work there, and um, also Highland Music. Highland Music um, is fantastic. It's my, that's my go-to. Yeah. Um, if I lived closer, I'd go there all the time. It's great. I yeah, and I live two blocks from there. Uh, luckily, and I know Don really well. That business, he started that business when he was 25. He's in his late 50s. Yeah. Do you know he does uh, hang gliding? He is a hang glider. This guy goes, okay, yeah. 50, I'd, I'd guess 55 years old plus. And I knew he didn't ever work Fridays and Saturdays. Yeah. And then I f later found out, I mean, I've known him since I was 14, found out maybe 10 years later that he was going to Chattanooga every weekend. Yeah. And then found out like 
three years ago that the whole time he's been hang gliding. And I'm just like... <laughs> he's, like, really good. He was in a commercial recently for, like, a hang gliding company this or is, something. He was, like, the, the star of the commercial. And it, it's Don. And yeah, and it's Don from Highland Music. It's Don, and, and some of y'all probably know he's a hang glider, but it's it's just... I wouldn't have guessed that no. if you ever, like in a million years, I never would have guessed. <laughs> I bet he hang glides on the side. Yeah. But he's been doing it. You look like the kind of guy who hang glides, I'd say. It, well, the, I should have maybe realized it before because he pointed out that the Highland Music logo is a hang glider. And I was really? like, wow, I've been in there every day. <laughs> oh, man. But it, it, I mean, it's not as clear as, as day, but when he yeah. pointed it out, I was like, I've never noticed this. Yeah. But it's it's your go-to place for anything but drums, and, yeah. and he's he's just he's not like a hater or anything. It's just not that big a store. He likes to concentrate on the guitar stuff. Yeah, he's got a great guitar selection. He always has great a great bass and uh, amp selection. Vintage guitar selection is mm-hmm. usually amazing. I've bought uh, that Marshall amp that I'm oh, yeah. probably gonna play through uh, if we get to jamming on something. I oh, bought that. Well, That's get, a really cool. Uh, it's called JTM sixty. But it's they only made it for like two years in the nineties. What's what's up with people stopping making stuff I, in the nineties? I don't know about this pedal. Yeah, same thing. The they stuff. made it for like ninety five and ninety six. I don't know how many they made, but Don told me it. I, like I said, I got it from Highland Music, and maybe he was just trying to sell it. But uh, he you, told me that it was in Muscle Shoals Sound Studios for the last few years before it closed. I would not. Uh, and it sounds great. It's got a really. I mean, if you if you have the right guitar and want to sound like Leonard Skinner or something, yeah. like just plug straight into that amp That's and it's awesome. perfect. That's it's awesome. dead on, you know. It's so but it's funny, got three you know, speakers, which is really weird. Oh yeah. Because most of the time it's either a one, two, or a four, mm-hmm. uh, except for like a Fender Bandmaster and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, so it's got three ten-inch speakers instead Very of twelve-inch cool. speakers, and I really like the the punchiness but yeah it's not nearly as dark as most marshals are yeah it has yeah, a totally yeah, different yeah, sound yeah. to it because uh, like- I, I really like fender amps a lot but i just needed something that i could control it has a master volume mm-hmm. it's like secondary to the gain you know yeah and i like plugging straight in uh no, that's, that's so i can great. just have it cranked up and use the volume as the the tone adjustment and then the master volume depending on whether or not it's still water or Iron City, or exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. whatever the venue is, uh, it's a little bit more flexible, but it it still can't do the. Uh, I mean, nothing can can touch just the clean Fender, like a Fender Tweed or something like. Yeah, this. I mean, just just fender on a deluxe, clean sound like with like a Stratocaster or something. That's just oh, yeah, it's Joel, like butter. That's uh, my favorite tone. Uh, yeah, it's oh, just it's, not as it's, versatile it's, when you got like four other people in a group playing like rock music. It just gets. It just squashed gets, by it everything. Lost. Yeah. yeah, and it's what that Marshall. Mean, I mean, that thing would just—it just jumps right out in the mix. Like, it's got a different like color to it. Yeah, it's like something it. about. I guess maybe since Mike, uh, his amps always had twelve-inch speakers. Maybe that mm-hmm. made a difference. But uh, yeah, it always really jumped out. I don't know why. No, that's cool though. It, it is funny about. They always discontinue the coolest mm-hmm. shit. So yeah, but I hadn't like, really worried because I bought it, and then right after I bought it, I thought like, shit, what if, what if they only made it for two years for a reason? Well, because I saw all this stuff online about people saying theirs was like breaking and not working during shows, and it was like, the oh best no. Thing about Highland, <laughs> one of the best things about Highland is that Sam is right there repairing guitars yeah. all day, every day, and this guy also he's the guy who makes the Sam amps. If if you 
Those if are y'all have all awesome heard, amps. I want one so bad. He just uh, he just came out with a new one. Right. Uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. The he changed some small things, but the tone is the same. I love so, how you can change the wattage and so, everything. So the wattage is one of the things he changed. You can still change it, but you can change it from one to fifteen watts uh, continuously. Oh. It's very. I've never seen anything. I've like never that. seen that. It's always like one fifteen forty five. Yeah. Like, yeah, you have. Uh, it's always stepped. It's always stepped, and the and the intervals are usually pretty big. Like yeah, you know, thirty to forty five watts. It's a big. It's a game changer. Yeah, right? you can go to ten to from ten to twelve watts. That's pretty awesome. Definitely. And then he added an effects loop because his other ones didn't have it. Hmm. And then, it's the salmon. That's so a perfect amp. It's he yeah, and he's, uh, wor- he's. Is it like a half stack? Uh, this one was or a combo. Uh, a, this one was a combo. Um, he's doing that setup. Yeah. Is in his whole new line of amps. Yeah. So I imagine there will be some that'll go above fifteen with watts uh, and things like that. Um, How do you deal with that with, uh, like, as a bass player? Because I know if I were a bass player, I would have the, what is it, like the 8 by 10 Ampeg, the, the full stack yeah, the, with the a big classic, old, like, uh, like a V4B. The refrigerator. Yeah, like the big tube. Yeah, exactly. The one that has That's what I would want. And that bass you're holding is probably one of the other things that I would want, that I, modulus. I, I love this uh. modulus bass more than... I could ever love a human baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. But you're not. I have like you know had this bass. Uh, I saved up, bought it myself 13 years ago, and it. I've had a lot of basses along next to it, yeah. and I always end up selling them. And this thing is never going anywhere yeah. until I have to just buy a new modulus. But um, it's beautiful. What kind of wood is that? Uh, babing- babinga. Babinga. Yeah. I don't know much about it. I know it's. Uh, <laughs> I like the way it resonates. I like. I like uh, the way it looks. Um, Babinga. Is it two different types of wood? No. Or is it just it's, like it's one piece. Differently? Uh, they just. They're really uh, got the perfectionist thing going on here. With the, there's a small black pinstripe that separates the stain, and then right here there's just a lacquer finish over the natural wood. Um, got a, it has a composite fretboard with a carbon fiber. Um, neck on it, so carbon fiber. Oh man, this thing. I mean, it, it takes about. I think it's something close to two thousand degrees to. Wow. Like, you know, Warp in terms of warping it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could leave it in the car for an entire summer. It would never. Yeah, work. that's one thing I noticed with my uh, the new Godin. I mean, it's it doesn't have carbon fiber neck. It's a mahogany neck. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but just with how hot it is in Alabama during the summers, I bought it uh, a few months ago, I guess, and I've already had to adjust the. The truss rod and everything, because it, it, you know, once it gets up to like ninety-five oh, yeah. degrees and it's humid outside, all of a sudden it's like my strings are buzzing yeah. for some reason. <laughs> we used to when I played in um, Looney Mill, I had this bass, but I also had a Roscoe Beck uh, four-string Fender Custom um, series, and I had a Marcus Biller five-string Fender Custom series, and we would play in on the Panhandle, Florida, a lot. And yeah. So, a lot of times we do like an Auburn show or like a, a Birmingham show, and then the next night we'd be on the beach basically. And I'd get down there, and my modulus would be in tune, and I'd yeah. pull the fenders out, and I'm like having to adjust the intonation and yeah. set the whole thing. So up. is there no? Is there a truss rod on that? There is a truss rod, just just um, so you can have the action the way that you want it right. to. But um, that makes sense in terms of like it, it, like this is a, a through neck, so. 
this neck's connected to the bridge at the bottom. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's really just the truss rod's really just there to to give you some some extra space if you need it. Five strings. Five strings. Yeah. Um, same bass. Uh, a lot of the the jammy jam band master bass players play. Um, Phil Lesh plays the same bass in a six string. Um, oh, Mike okay. Gordon plays the same bass in the five string. Yeah. Dave Schools plays it in the six string. Uh, a lot. A lot of people. I'm gonna take a picture of this bass so that people can see. That thing is beautiful. I don't yeah. know if it's going to pick up the, uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. And uh, her name is uh, Esther, for the record. Esther? Yeah. I like it. I don't have to say her name very often, but <laughs> when I do, it's usually my fault. Yeah. I'm like, Esther, what is wrong with you? I, <laughs> I drink too much. But, uh, so... Well, we could, uh, well, oh yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, how do you deal, because that's one thing that I've thought about is like, I wish I could just get some tiny little practice amp and just bring that to every gig oh, so God. it's e easier to lug around, so, or I just want to be an acoustic musician, you know? It, um, bass amps are no, no joke. Or, yeah. No. Do you have a, a, don't you use something like this, kind of like a half stack sort of a rig mm -hmm. with a, a smaller head separate? Yeah, it's a... a uh, Didn't Boogie, Marcus get that from you? Where did he it? got the head that is on top from me? Yeah. Um, okay. Mine is a similar. It's similar to this in the setup, but the shape is different. It, I have a Mesa Boogie Vintage Powerhouse 410. It's oh. a thousand watts at four ohms, and um, my head is a SVT um, Seven Pro Ampeg, and it's a uh, thousand watts at four ohms. So okay. it matches really well. Yeah. It's it's shorter than that, but deeper. It yeah, pretty damn heavy. Puts out a very clean sound even at low volumes, but it can be as loud as I want it to be. The thing yeah. about bass is a constant pain in the ass. Is that unless you're about eight to twelve, you know, in between eight and twelve feet away from your amp, the amplitude of the waves of low end of bass are so large that you don't hear them until you don't hear them accurately. Until hmm. you're far away. Yeah. So like you sit next to your bass all day and dial in settings and all this, and then you get to the gig and you're like, I right. can't hear shit. You yeah. Know? Or everybody's telling you that you need to turn this up or turn this down. Right. It, it's a constant struggle. Uh, plus, just putting that bastard into the car. <laughs> I'll tell <laughs> oh, you that. Yeah, man. I've helped Marcus load that thing up a bunch of times, uh, and it's it's not fun. No. Um, my drummer. I, mean, I, I feel like my amps are heavy. I mean, like that Marshall, especially because it's taller than normal. Yeah, you know, it looks like it's it. it's a pain because you got to really like hold it up on your side mm -hmm. when you carry it so it doesn't Put hit the ground. Put some trust into that strap on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a little leather strap. I gotta get a case for those things. Yeah, the um, on my rig too. I have the road case for the top, and it's the, that Ampex pretty heavy. I mean, it's like a, it's like a. 65 pound head on there Damn. and then i got um the dbx 160a it's a yeah. single channel compressor i love that compressor i want to get one for it's, me it's great it's yeah. really good i i've gone i've strayed away from compression i used I've, I've never used it heavily but recently i've been using it um we were talking about tracking earlier and, mm -hmm. and effects some effects not picking up the bass the right you know it needs a clean signal very uh Squat like squashing your dynamics can yeah. help that with some stuff, huh, but yeah, I really didn't. So do like you the usually way. leave it set like on one setting 
across the board, or do you change it? Well, what I had been doing was running running it into this Ego Wampler compressor, um, and I just have it lightly blended in. It just tightens it up a little bit, but it does take the high end out. Like, if I'm... Um, this, hopefully it's not too loud. If I'm slapping with it, I don't know. I just... I normally hear it much clearer on stage. I notice the difference. Yeah. Uh, but there's um, the attack on it and the sustain. Like it just doesn't let the high end ring out long enough. Right. So for my slap tone, I don't like it uh, or having compression. Um, I use the one in my rack as a limiter for the you know because I have synths mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I don't want anything to just blow through there. Right. Um, but I kept that off the last gig and just um, since it needs a good signal to trigger most of these effects I would change change the settings on my bass accordingly it's quicker to me and, and I didn't lose any of my tone yeah and that's that's what this uh, loop selector pedal is all about too is that if you know there's what 20 there's two pedals under the board that I, it's about 20 pedals or 22 pedals wow and uh, if you are just going through all those and then into your amp, your your tone is gonna sound like shit. Yeah. So each one of these, like the first, this has five channels, and if you if none of them are on, then my bass is going straight into my amp. So I don't, okay, cool. Don't lose tone. Uh, I got first channel is octave and synthesizer. Second channel is the two envelope filters. Um, third is a slap setting. Fourth is flangers and choruses, and the fifth is delay reverb and this pitch fork which is like a harmonic huh, yeah do you just remember all of that yeah or do you have it later <laughs> <laughs> i do but i, was, I guess I mean, if you it do it yourself you know it takes a long i mean this is sort of a patchwork one i have a lot of pedals at home that sometimes go on the board but yeah. they all have a dual lock underneath them so i could take them off but it takes a, it took me a long time to get it set up so it, it's not quite as hard to remember i used to change it up um every week and yeah i'd find myself stepping yeah. on a, what i thought was a slap setting and then starting to slap with some horrible yeah. sounding effect on but uh, i thought it set up like this for a little while i do enjoy um effects like that's something that i think for bass it's pretty tacky i mean just to be honest <laughs> i mean i'm not yeah i have no reservations about like yeah. what, what what's going on i mean you know most bass players do not play with, I mean, I never play with all this stuff on at once or anything, right. but I mean, I got two different envelope filters and I got reverbs and delays and two octaves and synthesizers and flangers. And, um, I think it's cool. It, you know, it, I've really gone back and forth with how I feel about pedals and stuff like that. Right. When I was younger, it was like, oh man the more the better like you know i just want to oh, yeah. be able yeah. to make some cool sounds you know? younger uh and then in between it was like you hear all these older players talk about like nah you don't hear that don't you know just it. just plug straight in and yeah. crank the amp up that's how you get the good tone but mm -hmm. whenever i would do it it was like that doesn't sound like what i want it to sound like it's know. just loud it, was it just doesn't they get were distorted so damn good you know that they played yeah correctly or yeah. exactly right like but they, yeah you you finally like figure it out technically and like for the last few years i've just plugged straight into the amp That's and just used about. a tuner and uh, and i like that but at the same time you know you get into a jam or something and you hear 
the you know a good opportunity for a delay or something yeah. like that and then you don't have it and it's like I, you could always have the pedals and not use them yeah but if you need it and but you don't have it then that can be a problem so it, that's it, why i'm excited about the synthesizer stuff because without having to build a whole pedal rig yeah. uh i can just jump straight to any sound i want all in one box and go Absolutely. from there and especially with that guitar because it's got multiple outputs so i can literally plug straight into yeah. the amp nothing in between mm -hmm. with one cable and then run a separate cable into the synthesizer yeah and just control the volumes on the guitar it's it's that's pretty fucking wicked man i mean i, I didn't, can't I wait didn't to try that out those outputs and that is definitely the point of this box is to the channel selector i was talking about a minute ago it's like when i have no pedals on my tone is as clean as if I plugged it straight in. Yeah. And that's something that is real important to me because if I, when I'm playing these other gigs that I mentioned earlier as well, the high fidelity stuff where we do mainly John Schofield and Herbie Hancock, the funky meters. Oh, yeah. I'm usually playing like Fender bass, like playing with my fingers, not with a pick, no slap. More uh, refined, old yeah. school stuff. Uh, I don't play with any effects. Uh, I think there's a time and a place for it. And I, I guess recently I've just sort of just just gone a little nuts with it but i do like to tinker like that's yeah. something i do and i've gotten to where i've even been building uh building effects and stuff like that and so um that that has has led into like a new something i'm i'm newly mm -hmm. interested in is, is sort of like um electrical engineering this kind of stuff like just not the super advanced obviously but you know circuit boards circuitry yeah uh, being able to create your own effects i mean that's freaking awesome it's yeah that's what's really mind-blowing when you think about it that all of these different pedals no matter what sound they're making all they're doing is controlling the electricity flowing between the amount of electrons the guitar <laughs> yeah that's it it's, it's, it's just the electricity just altering it in some way yep and it makes it and it's such a small like when you're putting a a, a an effect pedal together it's like I remember when I learned to read schematics and lear learned like what was going on. All this is the flow of electrons, mm -hmm. and then there's like, you know, you have like ca capacitors and you have all these all these little things. I mean, it's such tiny am amounts of change that yeah. create so much change in the sound. Yeah, like, so much. Um, and uh, sometimes I see when I'm looking at a schematic for one or putting one together, how simple this thing is. It requires like eight solders you know with a soldering iron and yeah. you're done and then how complex some other ones are where it's like there's no way in hell like i mean this has got digital analog and it's just mm -hmm. you know it's nuts but i um, wouldn't know where to start like how do you figure that out by process of elimination <laughs> just the well the damn in terms of if you're building one the digital having like digital and analog and like having presets that's stuff that typically people have, have gone to school for, like, yeah. electrical engineering for at, at least four to six years. Um, uh, and that's, you know, that's just, like, a whole other level. Yeah. Um, but luckily, I like analog effects better, t typically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the synthesizer is obviously an exception, but um, I like true bypass pedals a lot. That big, giant blue pedal, the meatball on my board, uh, that is... a uh, true analog filter uh, envelope filter oh and it uh that's it's got like an effects loop and stuff but it was run ranked the other day i saw it as the number one analog effect of all time wow and I, I was like 
I agree with it. You know, <laughs> I was like, man, that thing is a bitch to dial yeah. in. How many dials? There's eight dials and or twelve dials in there. Thing is huge. But once you get it where you want it, nothing sounds better than that to me. Uh, so it, it is a labor of uh, love and just. That thing's got to weigh like ten pounds. It's the it's one of the lightest pedals on my board. Really? It's, no way. Yeah, it's like hollow. It's it's crazy how big that thing. I mean, it needs the space for all the controls. Right. But when you can just lift up the front like a garage sort of, huh. uh, and like like the front of a car. Yeah. Like pop yeah. Up. And all the uh, it, it didn't even have a big circuit board in it or anything. All the pots are underneath and they're all soldered together. But I mean, there's enough room in there to hide like a stash. It's like if you're traveling. <laughs> really? you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Not that I would know or anything. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But One would assume. It looks giant, but it's, yeah. Mainly just for uh, having all the room for the effects loop and the pedals. And right here, you can attach expression pedals. Oh, okay, both of cool. Those. Um, but yeah, it's something I, I really have just gotten in, like, super into pedals in the last year. But uh, It's fun. Sort just of playing with sound. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. you don't want to... I mean, there is something to be said for traditionalism and plugging straight in mm -hmm. and, you know, it's all in the strings and your fingers. And Absolutely. There's definitely something to be said for that. You but at the same be time. You need to before you do go to a Yeah, set, yeah, you know? definitely. You got to start there. But then at the same time, there's also something to be said for checking your ego at the door and, like, whoever said you weren't allowed to do anything yeah. with music, you know? That, there's a, That's something that... There's not rules when it comes to that kind of thing, so... Exactly. I and like, uh, I, I've enjoyed plugging straight in, but at the same time, I have no, you know, uh, on principle... No, no, <laughs> no, no, no issues. Yeah, I don't have any pedals. issues with someone using a bunch of pedals, because, I mean, it, as long as it sounds good, I don't care you, how yeah, you're doing it, you know? How you do it is, is uh, the key. Like you said, it's more of an electrical engineering problem than it is an issue of like oh well that's too many pedals to still be cool or it's not enough to be cool you know it's more about like oh how do you do that and still maintain your signal you know yeah and it's like it's it's a technical problem solving thing it's not about having a bunch of stuff just to be cool yeah you know? exactly and and I, I read the coolest quote the other day that uh music and the word cool should be or are are not should be are mutually exclusive yeah i was like yeah yeah that's sort of how <laughs> like yeah you know I, a lot of us uh don't start out that way mm -hmm. we think it's cool and we enjoy it and it's fun but i mean the older i've gotten i was telling you about how i mean it's something that's is it's super deep for me um i don't look up much when i play because i don't it's not because i'm nervous or because i care that there's a lot of people there or not a lot of mm -hmm. people there but it's because I'm, I'm really into when I'm improvising specifically I'm really into what I'm doing and improvisation has given me a lot I used to meditate a lot and things like that and yeah I sort of do that uh, through my music these days being able to let go and not worry about I know exactly what you mean worrying yeah. less and less about what people what think. kind of meditations you do um, man, I would just meditate at home. I, I have uh, a lot of times. Like I just use, sit in a chair and. Uh, yes, usually sit, sit on the floors. I have certain stones that mean a lot to me uh, mm -hmm. for different reasons. Some are like crystals, and some are just stones that one of my friends that you know may have passed away gave me a long time ago. Yeah. This kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, just try to, or don't try. That's the thing. When I was younger, I tried to focus or something, but it's yeah. all about letting go, and that's actually what 
relates back to the music thing is that I don't feel the need to do it at home as much anymore uh, when I'm able to let go. And I mean, it, I remember there was a point at jamming the ham where I was, it felt like I was meditating because I was basically watching myself play. Mm -hmm. I've been practicing my ass off for that gig, so I knew all the material. Well, yeah. Um, you get into you can get into that same like state of of not thinking. Yeah, and it's absolutely that's the best. That's when it's I play my best. What's so shit. addictive about playing live shows is yeah. like man, that's yeah. like the happiest. That's the best feeling. Because like you're not even thinking about whether or not you're happy. You're just so in the present moment. You're like truly you, alive. Yeah, you're not yeah. thinking about mood you're not thinking about people you're really not thinking yeah you're letting things happen and it's like you're realizing you have no control over it mm -hmm. um it's really kind it's, of amazing that it can happen at all i know you know it really is far <laughs> out there and I'm, I'm sure it sounds far out there but it's an amazing thing to experience and i read about it in books i mean yeah you know um <clears throat> this book Wynton marsalis wrote it's Letters to a young jazz musician. And yeah, yeah. These corresponding letters he wrote. This young um, trumpet player, I believe it was, um, was just hitting him up, sending him old, old school snail mail, written letters, and so they started just asking advice and things like that. And he started talking to him. And throughout the book, he talks about how he, you know, he like I think the ch the kid asks like, how do you know when you're doing good and right. it's like well in the moment you don't know that you're doing good when you're doing <laughs> yeah. when you're really doing good you're not even thinking about it yeah and you know i really relate to that in the sense that like there'll be a half set that i i remember what we played and it's not like it's like a blackout kind of thing but i was like i don't really know how i played during that section yeah and, uh, i hope it's good and usually <laughs> in the recordings that's the best section yeah. i'm thinking the least yeah exactly yeah, and I think uh, meditation definitely. I, I've thought a lot about that. How music can be used as meditation, but also how meditation separately can help the music. Uh, I've never really stuck with a particular regimen, but I've been sure. into it for a few years now. I guess uh, recently I tried, like a few months ago, I started trying using uh, the app called Headspace. Yeah, uh, and something like that works really well because it's only like ten minutes and. It helps to like have someone else kind of get you in the right mindset. Sure, you know sure, what sure. I mean? And the guided meditation. Yeah, just just kind of remind you that it's like you know, if you think about something, that's fine. Just don't focus on it. Like yeah. let it let it pass by like a cloud in the sky or something. You know? Exactly. And it sounds very like woo woo, but like hippie. It's amazing shit, with just ten yeah. minutes of just sitting down. Like don't call it meditation. Just call yeah. it relaxing. It's just call it whatever you want. I, I you know? Get into the zone. I just let your brain think without. Let your brain work without any thinking. Yeah, you know, because <laughs> that that's the the most interesting thing that I always find by the end of it is, uh, like, on that app, for example, sure. uh, he'll always say, like, once you get, like, 70% of the way through the, the guided meditation, he'll get to a point where he'll just say, like, now just let your mind think about whatever you want to think about. Don't yeah. worry about not focusing on thoughts. Just think about whatever pops into your head, sure. you know. And most of the time, I feel like, well, now I don't really feel like thinking about it. <laughs> you know, exactly. after the like, after eight or nine me. minutes is all it takes is like, well, now that I'm in the right headspace, I don't feel like worrying about whether or not I can pay this bill or like, you know, it's like, well, that just sounds 
frustrating. I'm not, yeah. If I'm not going to do something about it right now, why would I waste time thinking about it? Exactly. You know? Whereas 10 minutes prior, it's like this, this we, circle of we, thoughts that's yeah, constantly going are, on in the back of your head. You know, you know? I, I, most musicians, a lot of musicians... Uh, are like tortured souls in a certain way. Like yeah, our like brains neurotic almost. Stop. It's like our brains just do not stop. Yeah, uh, I feel very obsessive compulsive uh, a lot of the time. Uh, compliment or uh, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like no, our brains not, don't stop. It's not like a where, smart thing. No, it's like an obsessive compulsive <laughs> thing. <laughs> it's like all right for work. I have to do this. I have this going on. I got this going on. All right, I've thought about it a million times today. Like shut the fuck up yeah. and let me just relax. Yeah, it's but, like for anybody that isn't a musician it's like that feeling of uh when you have a song stuck in your head all day long or something like that it's like that but you have your own thoughts stuck in your head like a song typically the things constantly. that you don't want to think about too. <laughs> like yeah. work and yeah. bells and, and bs they're like just this. playing like a record over and over. maybe that's everybody i don't it know it might be it might maybe be. it's not even I'm musicians maybe yeah. that's just part of the human experience i'm sure i'm sure that is the, the way we were talking a minute ago about the uh, i liked what you had to say about um using music music as a tool um and we were talking about before we started like the drones and yeah and stuff like that and getting into yeah maybe getting, we could start the uh the musical meditations uh episodes this could maybe be the the first one yeah. uh I had an idea, I guess, to explain it a little bit for people listening. Uh, uh, I had an idea to do... I actually wrote it out on the whiteboard here. Oh, there you um, go. In, I guess it's... What is it? Like Indian culture? Uh, or I don't think it's like Buddhism necessarily, but... For... Uh, for like the chakras, uh, the chakras. The the seven energy points that are supposedly in the body. And, I um, definitely should know, but I definitely don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't know where that really originates Buddhism. from. I mean, I know it's Indian. Um, Hinduism, possibly. But yeah, in the, uh, I think it's called the Bija uh, tradition or whatever, there's there's a word, like Om, is uh, like the Bija uh, phrase or word or whatever uh, that represents the top of your head or mm -hmm. the crown chakra, which is supposed to be a symbol of your connection to the cosmos. Sure. Um, and in contrast to like your root chakra at the base of your spine, the first one is represent it basically your connection to earth, sure, you know, sure. so it's kind of like a heaven and earth, with, with you know, and mother and father, the, the full spectrum of, of life basically. Mm -hmm. And whether you, to me, all the exotic words can be off putting, you know, when people yeah. say like, Oh, I do yoga. Oh, what kind of, Oh, Vipassana. Oh, well I only do, you know. <laughs> Uh, Bikram yoga is the way to right. go. You know, it's like they're just fancy words. You're just saying like stretching and breathing, and and that's fine. It's yeah. still good. I like doing it, but it doesn't have it doesn't to make be you uh, more spiritual than the person that's just doing yoga. Yeah, for the right reason. Exactly. You know, you know it can come across as pompous. So uh, I thought it'd be cool to put out some musical meditation episodes, basically, of the podcast where. Uh, I could put the music out separately so you don't have to listen to or fast forward through a bunch of talking to get to it. You know, it's just nothing but the music for, I would like to do it for at least like 20 minutes at mm -hmm. a time so that I feel like sometimes it takes 20 minutes to get into a good headspace when you're relaxing or sure. whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, so in the Bija uh, mantras, you know, you have Om and then I think it's like Aum or Om. It's, it's the same thing again for the, the sixth one, but... It's basically the top of your head, the forehead, the the 
third eye is the one on the forehead. That's where Hindu people have the dot on their head. It represents mm-hmm. the third eye yep. being sympathetic to other people and stuff like that. Uh, then your throat, your heart, uh, your solar plex, basically, mm-hmm. middle of your stomach, and then like your navel and the base of your spine, like right at your butthole, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they all kind of represent different things. And like I said, whether you believe in that, the sort of spiritual side of it or not, to me is irrelevant. It's There's irrelevant. definitely it's seven energy centers in the body. It's, you a, know? it's a good guy. Like, <laughs> hey, doggy. We got some canine activity here. I think um, they're trying to get on the podcast. Yeah, they just want their... Well, anyway, there's, very, so, there's a ton of things like this that are just to throw that out there that I think people take it too seriously. Uh, I don't mean the people that are collecting crystals. I have a giant crystal collection, yeah, for instance. Yeah. I, I don't I'm not saying that I believe this 100 percent to be true, that this crystal has this metaphysical property. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's comforting to me to have that as a guide. Yeah. And some of them I feel certain ways towards it, and others I don't. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, pe- some people just take it a little too seriously. It's a yeah. good guide to use. So I'd like to, uh, I think it'd be cool to put out seven podcast episodes, one for each chakra, basically, or energy center, mm-hmm. uh, that just focuses on, you know, there's seven colors in the rainbow, seven notes to the musical scale, seven days of the week. Seven's a very interesting number uh, when you really analyze it so i thought it'd be cool to have seven episodes about 20 minutes each maybe longer and just have it be pure music kind of a, a meditative droning thing of some kind um maybe have like the uh whatever the particular phrase is that's associated with it like the the first one for the the root chakra is uh it's in the key of c and it's lam l-a-m so maybe for like uh, like 10 seconds, like loop, you know, lam, like in the background. Sure. So you have this nice, like, peaceful kind of, <laughs> you know, get you in the great. right vibe or whatever. But then, uh, you know, we can just jam on top of it, basically. And uh, I thought it'd be particularly good to try to think about what that energy point represents, you know, like uh, for the very first one, you know, we should do it in the key of C and, uh, you know, maybe think about feeling grounded yeah, to yeah. earth and mother nature and therefore your own mother and uh you know whatever yeah, very, that makes you think about and be very feel basically more intentional with your playing yeah like yeah yeah that. exactly and then uh you know for anybody listening if you're not into yoga or meditation or any of that kind of stuff just listen to it and enjoy it while you're at work or driving in the car uh or don't listen to it at all if you don't want to um but if you are into that kind of thing, or if you want to try that kind of thing, just, uh, you know, sit in a chair, sit on the floor, lay on your bed, whatever you want to do. Just be comfortable and uh, just, just listen to the music. Yeah. Just let your mind wander. Try not to uh, focus on any one thing. Just kind of be there and listen to it, you in know. Uh, so, yeah, we can, maybe uh, we can... Uh, get st- one done and attach it to the... Yeah, we can get one done tonight. I guess I'll just put it out as like a... Like the second part of this one. Sure. Uh, so that people can just jump straight to the music if they want to. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you were showing me the, uh, what did you say it was called? The Giga Delay? Uh, that is, yeah, uh, the DD20 Giga Delay. And I use it um, primarily for making uh, evolving 
drones and atmospheric uh, background like washes. So I can set that and it gives you some bass yeah. coming through, sort of droning through, and then it gives me an opportunity to play with some of the other toys over here, solo over it. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I set pretty ones, sometimes I make them real dark and dissonant. and uh, It's just something I've done, I don't know, I started doing that, uh, that stops the three-piece band, and yeah. we got to a, a, a place where, I, I can't remember exactly how I, figured out to, to do that that Joel like played really well over it and it always makes Derek go into yeah. this like trance beat that I like and um, so I've done it for a long time but now it's uh, it's something I'm sort of rebringing to the table I didn't do it in the Dagobah system very much uh, at all if ever um, but uh, it's, it's something I really enjoy doing and sometimes I will like I was telling you I'll set set a loop and whatever key I feel at the moment, D major, and keep it very light and spacey, and yeah. make about a 10 second long atmospheric drone, and just lay back and, and yeah. try to empty my head. Um, very cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the things about music is how it can be used uh, by the musician, like therapeutically for yourself, yeah. and at the same time, you can use it as therapy for other people, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, when they enjoy it. Yep. Uh, I love the duality of that. Yes. It, music. It, it is, it is an amazing thing. Uh, music therapy is an amazing, amazingly interesting yeah. and, and effective field of, of uh, I mean, medicine, whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it, but there is definite positive effects on many, many people. Yeah. If uh, you, uh, if you haven't read it, actually I have, yeah, I've got both of them. I'll, you, you can take them with you if you haven't read it. But Daniel J. Levitin, he's, uh, he wrote several books about music and the brain. Huh? Uh, one of them's called This Is Your Brain on Music. Did he write uh, Music, Your Brain, and Ecstasy? Cause I no, that. but it, uh, I think I have that, actually. Uh, <laughs> That's a good one. But I, yeah, I, it, but it, yeah those, he, he's really good. Similar type of book, yeah. uh, that one is... Uh, and then the other one is The World in Six Songs. That That's one's really awesome. cool. He picks like six songs that in, I think it's, uh, I haven't finished that one actually, uh, but it's it, it basically is trying to capture in six specific songs uh -huh. using the, the musical format and style and textures and everything that are in the song and the lyrical content, uh -huh. basically representing the whole world the, the, in six songs in some way, so you know. I'm guessing you got Freebird number one, <laughs> Wagon Wheel number two. Well, yeah, obviously, I mean, of course. And then um, I think one of them's a Bob Marley song. Yeah, uh, but yeah, for anybody who hasn't read it, Daniel Levitin. Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's L E V I T I N. I want to say. Uh, I can see it from across the room. I think that's it. But yeah, the world in six songs, and especially this is your brain on music, and yeah, he talks a lot about. Uh, like medicinal therapy, you know, people mm -hmm. with Alzheimer's and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, just all kinds of cool things that are yeah. interesting about that. There but, are, yeah, you should take both of those with because I've already That's, read. I need I need to get a music sure. book to read, like non uh, technical music book. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's awesome too because he's a musician, but he's a neuroscientist. Oh wow! Like he was a musician first. Like in high school, he was like you know in a band and played on the weekends and that kind of thing, and mm -hmm. continued to play music because I think he's a guitarist and maybe a saxophone player or something I don't know what else but 
he ended up becoming a neuroscientist and specialized in the brain chemistry. Yeah, straight up. yeah the brain I mean, chemistry no of, uh, of is, music. So he's at. Uh, that's amazing. I can't remember where what school he teaches at right now, but yeah, there's some some really cool videos with him and uh, Bobby McFerrin on YouTube oh, where uh, yeah, Bobby I've McFerrin does Bobby the McFerrin's the demo movie. where he stands up and starts doing this weird like ba, and then he points at the audience and they'll be like. Ah, and <laughs> yeah. jump to the right and like it's this awesome demonstration he, where he doesn't say anything sure. about how, what to do and he ends up jumping around left to right like he's yep. on a giant piano or something oh. and the audience sings what he's doing and yes. they end up singing notes that he didn't like show them yeah. yet you know like he'll show them like three notes and then he'll go like ba 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 and then he'll just jump and the whole audience will go ba <laughs> and they they That's all awesome. know the note already That's and he right. points out like why is that why does everyone in the room and he said no matter where he goes all over the world it's how it is. everybody does it That's the awesome. same way and why is that he is a super that we can all guess the exact same right note you know yeah uh, and that's Super like what some of that book guy. is about. It's like when you think of, uh, like if you go around and ask people a song that they know that's really popular, like, mm-hmm. you know, ACDC, Back in Black or something, sure. the vast majority of people will not only remember just how it goes at all, you know, just the da-na-na, da-na-na. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of people will get the key right and the tempo right, or very close to right at yep. least, not exactly. Yep. Uh, even if they they can't sing it or, yeah. you know, that part is separate, basically. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, the way that your brain remembers it, mm-hmm. you actually do remember the almost exact tempo, key, everything about it, even though you can't replicate it with your hands or your mouth, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Uh, the it, it is nuts. Uh, um, I, my dad had perfect pitch. I, really? I had perfect pitch. And then there's perfect relative pitch, which is... Mm-hmm less common you know but a lot more people have perfect pitch than realize it and right. that's simply due to the fact because most people in the world don't play music yeah. like <laughs> as a musician <laughs> they don't ever find out they yeah. don't find out but huh. uh, the, yeah the brain is in crazy that way that you can go all day without hearing anything and then hear somebody will play one note and you'll be able to know what it is that's awesome it's pretty nuts sometimes it's really annoying yeah <laughs> yeah I don't think I I don't think I'm like that because I don't think in notes. But I've heard a, a cool story about uh, Kofi Burbage, the piano oh, yeah. player, keyboard player. Uh, He's amazing. W- apparently, according to the Burbage brothers, mm-hmm. uh, O'Teal told a story that I heard where he said uh, that he basically got an assignment when he was younger, taking piano lessons to memorize the scales. Yeah. But it he was only supposed to memorize like the actual intervals you know like on paper basically yeah yeah uh and he thought he was supposed to memorize the notes so he went home and like closed his eyes and memorized what a sounds like Mm -hmm. in each octave and b and c and he did all of that and he like worked himself up to having perfect pitch Mm -hmm. as like a 10 year old or something like that over the course of a few years of trying to do that um and it, so I thought that was really cool because it, well, like I said earlier, I hate the word talent because it's like, oh, well, you were just born able to play bass. And it's like, well, like, goddamn, well, I spent I've a whole lot of time trying years. really hard to do it. Like, <laughs> I should be okay. It's kind of disrespectful now. to like assume it, had you not put all that work into it for all that time, you'd still have something called talent that makes yeah, you good at playing bass, that? you know? I mean, because honest, honestly, 
Um, I wouldn't say that, like, if somebody tells you that you're talented, it's obviously not um, going to offend you at all. But mm-hmm. Well, they're it, trying to be an asshole, clearly. Uh, clearly they're <laughs> a dick, and you're hanging out with the wrong people. I'm telling yeah. you. But the thing is that people do, uh, a lot of people don't realize how much some people put into mm-hmm. what they do. And, I mean, I, I play more hours a week than I, I work, and yeah. I work a lot. And yeah. um, I sleep first shift. You know, I sleep from like seven in the morning until noon, um, mm-hmm. sometimes less, sometimes more. But I get home from work and, and I work on music every day. Yeah. And so, it, it, you know, talent, talent is, is something that it comes more naturally to certain people. Uh, but there's different variables. I mean, how much does this person practice? That's huge. And then also, when did they start? Because Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you're exposed to it as like a two-year-old, you yeah, know, your if your family has like guitars in the room or... If your parents, this is really the more important thing. Like, if when you bang on some pots and pans as a toddler, if your parents encourage it yeah. and say like, "Oh, like I remember," that's probably one of my earliest memories is my mom not only letting me bang on the pots and pans, but like getting out the other ones so sure. that I could have like a, a drum kit on mm-hmm. the kitchen floor to bang on, and she got me like wooden spoons, and you know I was able to have a drum kit as a two-year-old yeah. and. You know, there's no way that that doesn't have an effect on you years later Huge when you decide effect. you want to actually play the drums. Huge you effect. already have the fundamentals locked into your brain. Well, that's the kind of thing that parents can do that when they say, okay, you're eight years old, I think you should take piano lessons. I'd like for you to take piano lessons. Yeah. The kid is much more likely to say, okay, than yep. if they were to snatch the pens from you. Exactly. Uh, another huge thing, uh, I probably the biggest thing about it the early age stuff is that when your brain's still developing, it's like learning a different language. Mm-hmm. You can learn three languages very quickly as a child. Yeah. But once you get to be 12, once you get through puberty, your brain changes. And yeah. uh, when you're still young enough to learn languages that way, you can learn music that way too. So Victor Wooten, uh, like, you know, I, for Anybody who might not know who that is, he's the bass player for Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones. A lot of people regard him as Amazing the best bass, bass player. player of all time and all yeah. this. But he started when he was two. He couldn't reach the top <laughs> of the bass. He yeah. just had to play up, up high on the register because yeah. he couldn't reach it. But he developed things in his brain, and it can now he, he's at a place where people that are like that, they can literally get to a point where they do things physically that people mm-hmm. can work up to. You know, like yeah. he does stuff that... I I'm not down on myself or something that I'm I'm like I'm not even gonna you know that's yeah. <laughs> be like 20 years of work for me he yeah. probably learned it in a year and a half because he learned right. it when he was seven but um, as an adult you don't learn I know exactly what you mean I see some guitar players and it's just like I almost don't even want to listen to it sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you know because it it makes you so aware of how much room there is to grow and, but that can be a good thing it can be. It's always fun talking to those people. A lot of the people, a lot of people, musicians, the better they are. Uh, I mean, I'm, I know there's a lot of, you know, assholes out there in the world, but I'll, I mean, honestly, in terms of the people I've met, the nicer the, or the better someone is, a lot of times the more open-minded they are. Mm-hmm. So, um, sometimes people get focused in on themselves and greatness or something, but actually, like, players, um, they are typically some of the most open-minded individuals. So yeah. Like that, 
I'm Taylor Prop. He's the bass. He's he's the bass player in Birmingham. It's unbelievable. Y'all should all check him out. He played for Meteorite back in the day. Uh, G Soul. He's a teacher at um, Highland Music, and he is one of my favorite bass players. He's phenomenal. But when I was younger, Taylor Prop. Uh, Taylor Prop. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he he's very amazing to see. And I started seeing him at a young age and. Asked him if I, I'd never taken lessons from anybody, and I asked him if I could take lessons from him, and he was like, "No, but you can, you know, come over and just hang out." Yeah. And so, the first, I guess it was the first and the second time I went over, it was about forty-five minutes of him showing me stuff he was working on, mm-hmm. just showing me what he was working on, because I already played at the time. I what I just. I wanted to get to his level. Yeah. And so he'd show me what he was working on, but he always made a point to ask me what I was working on. Hmm. And occasionally he, you know, I'd get there the next time and he'd be like, had worked it out or he yeah. had a question for me. Then it turned into this thing where for like a year, uh, we'd go, you know, I'd go over there once a month or he'd come over and it'd be like half and half, you know, like he That's was just awesome. as interested because you really can learn. Yeah different skill levels i mean it, oh, it yeah. doesn't matter i can i learned from my base students uh when i used to teach I, I, this eight-year-old taught me more than a lot of people that i play out with you know mm-hmm. this kind of stuff like just the way he thought and yeah. and things that he brought to the table so that that's that's interesting to me yeah there's some quote i like that's like uh, even a wise man can learn from a great fool if uh but a fool can't is like that's like the definition of what a wise person is is sure. whether or not they can learn from someone who's a fool so exactly. to speak you know exactly um, constantly absorbing knowledge oh yeah actually uh yeah let's uh take a quick break real take quick a quick breather um i'm gonna use the restroom and uh yeah let's have a quick smoke break and uh when we come back we're gonna play some music so Seinfeld after it. (laughs) 